0: Open with me in your Bibles to Matthew 15. It's where we pick it up in Matthew's Gospel. We're going to be looking at verses 1 to 20. It's a nice section here. Let's stand together for the reading of God's Word. Hear the Word of God to you. Then some Pharisees and teachers of the law came to Jesus from Jerusalem and asked, Why do your disciples break the tradition of the elders? They don't wash their hands before they eat. Jesus replied, And why do you break the command of God for the sake of your tradition? For God said, Honor your father and mother, and anyone who curses his father and mother must be put to death. But you say that if a man says to his father and mother, Whatever help you might otherwise have received from me is a gift devoted to God. He is not to honor his father with it. Thus you nullify the word of God for the sake of your tradition. You hypocrites! Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you. These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain. Their teachings are but rules taught by men. Jesus called the crowd to him and said, Listen and understand. What goes into a man's mouth does not make him unclean. But what comes out of his mouth, that is what makes him unclean. Then the disciples came to him and asked, Do you know that the Pharisees were offended when they heard this? He replied, Every plant that my heavenly Father has not planted will be pulled up by the roots. Leave them. They are blind guides. If a blind man leads a blind man, both will fall into a pit. Peter said, Explain the parable to us. Are you still so dull? Jesus asked them. Don't you see that whatever enters the mouth goes into the stomach and then out of the body? But the things that come out of the mouth come from the heart, and these make a man unclean. For out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false testimony, slander. These are what what make a man unclean. But eating with unwashed hands does not make him unclean unclean. Thus ends the reading of God's holy inerrant word. May he bless it to our hearts and lives this morning. Please be seated. Now I don't know about you but uh, maybe you've seen this clever, humorous TV commercial I saw a while ago. They show a man he's running, he, he tears into the airport he parks, right? He gets into the airport, he's running, he's searching from gate to gate, he's out of breath, he's looking, he's, he's yelling out a woman's name, Elizabeth! Elizabeth! And then finally he gets up to her and, and she hears him. And she turns around and she says this. She says, Stephen, I knew you'd come back. He answers, I have to ask you something. And she replies, anything. And then he comes up with a question. He says, what's the Netflix password? And she gives him a look and goes, I love Stephen. And he goes, was that all lower caps? And, and I mean, lower uh, case, no caps? And he's in one word, and she goes, Yeah. And then he just says, Okay, turns around and runs away. Well, the religious leaders of Jesus' day, listen to this they send an official delegation from Jerusalem. This is official. All the way from Jerusalem to gain a hearing with Jesus. They go through all this trouble over land and all through trouble to get to him. And when they finally get to him, they get get in his presence. They have an opportunity to ask him a burning question. And what's the question they ask? Why don't your disciples wash their hands before they eat? Really? Think about this. Jesus has been healing the multitudes, left and right miraculously feeding thousands upon thousands. He's been walking on water. He's been teaching in such a way that the people of God have never heard such teaching with great authority and wisdom. They're like, what is this? And when they finally get an opportunity to ask this incredible man, to ask him a question face-to-face, that's their burning question? See, the difference between this true life scenario from God's Word and the, funny, the commercial that I brought up a couple seconds ago is it's not funny at all, is it? It's tragic. The religious leaders of Jesus' day who are supposed to be guiding the people in truth in the worship of the one true God, instead of doing that, we see they're leading the people down a primrose path to destruction. Jesus' response not only proved to be a stinging holy rebuke to their spiritual bankruptcy, but it also proves to be a lesson for the ages about the worthlessness, listen to me, about the worthlessness and the dangerousness, as it were, of man-made religion. That's what we're going to see in this text. Man-made religion is worthless. We're going to see because it rejects the only true God-given religion in Jesus Christ, our Lord. And that's why it's useless. So here's the main point in the text. Man-made religion is worthless, it's dangerous, and it cannot cure the evil heart of man. I'm going to repeat that because it's so powerful. This text has been working on me all week in a powerful way. And I pray it'll do the same for you this morning. Man-made religion is three things. It's worthless. It's more than worthless. It's dangerous. And here's the reason it's both. Because it cannot cure the evil heart of man. Amen? Let's take a look at the first thing. And these are lessons that Jesus taught us. That's the beauty of submitting to the Scripture as your authority. First thing, man-made religion is worthless. Let's look at Jesus' reply to their question. Verses 3-6. to Why do you break the commandment of God for the sake of your tradition? For God said, honor your father and mother, and anyone who curses his father and mother must be put to death. But you say that if a man says to his father or mother, whatever help you might otherwise have received from me is a gift devoted to God, he is not to honor his father with it. Thus, you nullify the Word of God for the sake of your tradition. Now, Jesus does something that rabbis often do. He answers their question with a question. But He doesn't do so in order to dodge their question because He doesn't know the answer. You know, sometimes somebody asks you a question you don't know the answer. You just kind of ask them a question because you don't know. Like, why do you wear that kind of hat? And then you say, I don't know, why do you wear that kind of hat? Just because you don't even have an answer, right? And he doesn't answer their question with a question because he's trying to dodge their question. You know, sometimes when you're caught doing something wrong or thinking a wrong thing, then you try to divert the attention, you try to dodge it, you try to point them in a different direction. He's not doing that either here. Because we know our Lord is sinless and perfect. No. His question actually does answer their question with great force and unmistakable clarity they wanted to know why his disciples break the tradition of the elders by not washing before they eat well jesus has a more important question for them why do they make up and follow man-made rules that set aside the rules of god that were handed down by god himself through moses You see, the Jews had an oral tradition in those days that developed alongside the Old Testament scriptures over the years. And they, they at one point, actually wrote them down in the Mishnah. And the Mishnah consisted of six sections of orders. And the sixth section was about the different types of washings and cleansings that they would do before meals. So Jesus' answer was quite an indictment. He uncovers their man-made tradition for what they, traditions for what they were. Now listen, this is important. They were a veiled excuse to disregard and disobey the divine revelation given by God through Moses. Jesus quotes from the Torah, two passages in the first five books of Moses. And the first one was honor your father and mother. And the other one is anyone who curses a father and mother must be put to death. But I want you to track with me what their tradition said. They had a tradition that said this. Well, if you dedicate that money to the temple, then that money doesn't have to be touched for, for the sake of the money that should have been going to help your aging, ailing parents. So you could say, oh, sorry, Mom and Dad, the money I was supposed to use to help you when you were sick, well, that money's... Dedicated to God, you see. But here's the interesting thing about that. They were able to still make deposits for themselves on that money. Isn't that interesting? But it couldn't be used to help their parents because they made a vow that that money couldn't be used for that. And Jesus tells them straight up, you nullify the word of God for the sake of your, com- your tradition. Now, the word translated as nullify, it's a really strong Greek word that connotes the idea of disregarding or making it null and void. You didn't know you could make the word of God null and void, did you? It's interesting, isn't it? Jesus says that's exactly what they did. They canceled it out. They disregarded it. They put it on the shelf. So here's the issue. Throughout the years, throughout the ages... Folks will say, well, we have our own traditions in order to, and and they did in these days, in order to fence the law. We want to protect the law so no one will break it. So we make extra rules and regulations to give an extra protection. But what Jesus says here is, not only does it give an extra protection, it actually does the opposite. It takes away from the Word of God. It doesn't add to it in a good way. It takes away from it. It nullifies it. That's an important thing to see. One time to bring it on home, because one of the, the uh, more of a contemporary thing that we could think about in our day as well is I grew up in a tradition uh, of Roman Catholicism. And with Roman Catholicism, you have they believe that tradition, church tradition, and the Bible is equal. It's on an equal authority. They both stand together. And I remember my mom and I would go round and round on this discussion, right? And I I would be presenting the Protestant view and she would be presenting the Roman Catholic view. And one time, I just came out and said to her, Mom, bottom line, what happens when the Bible and church tradition contradicts each other? What do you do then? And she said to me, I believe in the Roman Catholic Church. That was her answer. So her answer was what? Tradition trumps the Apostle Paul, the Lord Jesus, all the authors of Scripture. That is the answer that my mom had been taught since she was a wee child. It was literally beat into her. And believe me, it's only with love in my heart that I warn my loved ones of that danger. I don't do it with judgment. I don't do it with anger at them or looking down upon them. I look at it with a heart of love and compassion and I don't want to see them go down a path of destruction. Jesus has especially strong language for the Pharisees and the teachers of the law because they should have known better and they were supposed to be leading God's people to follow God's word, not to find ways... Around it. That's the problem. These were the leaders. These were the official uh, leaders of Israel and they were to be leading them in the worship of the one true God. And it's interesting, the the, the disciples of Jesus go up to Him later, right? And they they go up to Him and they say, hey, did you know the Pharisees were offended by what you said? (laughs) I find that pretty interesting. But what's interesting is Jesus' response to that what's his response let's look at this leave them they are blind guides if a bland, blind I'm sorry yeah yeah I missed the one, one here Let me, let me go back got the wrong quote Uh, Every plant my father has not planted will be pulled up by the roots. Leave them. They are blind guides. If a blind man leads a blind man, both will fall into a pit. The issue here is Jesus has no sympathy for those who have unrepentant attitudes and who are persistently leading the people down the primrose path of destruction. Because here's what Jesus is saying. Man-made religion, it goes beyond just being worthless. Man-made religion is dangerous. See, it's one thing to say, that's worthless, don't mess with it, it doesn't have any good. But it's another thing to say, not only is it worthless, it's harmful. Right? It's spiritually damaging. And so Jesus says, you hypocrites. Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you. These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain. Their teachings are but rules taught by men. And here's the interesting thing. Jesus doesn't say there's a secondary application that it also applies to you Pharisees. He actually says, Isaiah prophesied about you. Wow. Right? Right? how could jesus say that i'll tell you how they prided themselves in what we are the children of abraham and jesus says no in this text you're not the children of abraham you're the rebellious jews in isaiah's day who put the prophets to death can i get an amen that's what he wanted them to see and even this is loving why is it loving Isn't it a good thing for you to know? Wouldn't it be good if you think you're going to heaven for Jesus to let you know that right now you're not on a path to heaven? And and in love, even this rebuke to the Pharisees, he's still trying to wake them up to say, look, in your present condition, rejecting me, following man-made rules, and, and leading the people into this destruction, you are not Abraham's children at this point. You are those against whom Isaiah was speaking. Even that is a loving thing. The, um, I was listening to one of uh, Dick Lucas' successor, my, my uh, faithful guide throughout the ages, an old preacher from England, his successor, William Taylor from St. Helens Church in London, an Anglican church. He really expresses the gist of Jesus' stinging rebuke here when he says this. Listen, he's speaking as if he was speaking to the Pharisees. You may have a charitable bank account that is bursting with bucks. But there's a little old lady living in Bethlehem. You haven't seen her in months. She's broke and you've done nothing about it. God hates your charitable account. What is it that pleases God? What does the living God love and what does he hate? He's told us in his word. And no matter how impressive our man-made additions to God's Word, no matter how well-meaning, how devout, how impressive, human tradition in addition to God's Word is in fact a subtraction because it brings us to concentrate on things that don't really matter rather than the things that do. Isn't that the issue? The Pharisees are concentrating on what? Washing your hands before you eat. And Jesus says, no, no, the thing that needs to be washed is not your hands, it's your heart. It's not what goes into a man that makes him unclean, that that beautiful child's illustration. It's what comes out. And and, and Jesus gets the crowd together. He says, come here, come on. I'm going to tell you this truth. The heart of the matter... Is the matter of the heart. Very different than man-made religion. And that's why we see the second thing. The man-made religion is not only worthless, it's dangerous. And so now we get to that part where Jesus says, every plant that my father has not planted will be pulled up by the roots. Leave them. They're blind guides. If a blind man leads a blind man, both will fall into, into the pit. Now, try to think of a good example of this. And what we see in the text is what Jesus is saying is these are not shepherds called by God. These men, just like, you know, there's good prophets, there's prophets, hang on, buddy, all right? There's prophets that God called, and then there's prophets that just decide that God called them, and they're false prophets. Well, here Jesus is saying, these are not leaders that I have called. And then he says something pretty powerful. He says, every plant that my father hasn't planted will not only be pulled up. Look what it says. Pulled up from the roots. Because you know, any, any good gardener knows if you just like kind of pull the top of the thing out, it's coming right back up. It's annoying. But so I was thinking of a good illustration for this and, and, and actually came to me a couple summers ago. And I knew about this text and I was waiting to use it. So I'm going to use it. So every, every summer when I, when I plant my garden, I do all different types of um, uh, tomatoes. I do the Golden Globe. I do the big ones, the big beefy ones. I do the little ones. I do cucumbers. I do eggplant. And, and once I've been doing that every summer, what happens is I go, I go through great pains to pick the exact kind I want. Why? Because I only have a limited amount in my garden of space. So I can only put a few in there. So I get just the ones I want. And then this is what happens. And I thank God for my wife. She always keeps me on task. I get there, and then when I go to plant, I'm usually late. I usually i am like one of the latest person to plant. So what happens is I get to my garden, and I see tomato plants growing there. And I'm like, oh, I have a hard time. I'm like, do I pull these out? You know, maybe I could. And my wife says, real blunt and real quick, did you plant them there? I said, well, no. Pull them out. And I'm like, all right. But she's 100% correct, because if I don't do that, it wouldn't have room for the ones that I plant. And it's a silly illustration, but the point is, if the Heavenly Father has not planted it, He's going to pull it out eventually. You remember earlier Jesus talked about the wheat and the tares? What Jesus is saying is, they're going to be taken care of. They're going to be taken care of. Now why such strong, firm language? And think about it, it's from the most gentle most kind, most gracious person that ever walked planet Earth. Why? I'll tell you why. Because these proponents of man-made religion misled the multitudes down to a path that leads to destruction. And the worst part about it, here's the worst part about it, it was all in the guise of the true religion of Israel. That's the worst part about it. It was in the name of Yahweh, the Lord. and the name of those who supposedly followed the Torah. And here's something else, and I'll go to the last thing. Look at verse 14. Leave them. They are blind guides. If a blind man leads a blind man, both will fall into the pit. Notice he doesn't say debate them. He doesn't say argue with them and go around in circles. He doesn't say, invite them into the pulpit and we could discuss and see who really knows the truth. He says this, leave them. Don't bother with them anymore. Come on. And why? And then I was thinking, how do I have an illustration for this? But it is an illustration. Jesus says, if a blind person leads the blind, aren't they both going to fall into a pit? And think about almost how silly and pathetic this is. you got a blind person going like this and behind them are more blind people and they don't see this huge mountain of a hole in the ground. And what's going to happen if you follow someone who's blind? And you're blind, right? And Jesus says, stop, don't follow them anymore, leave them. Come with me. Last thing we see, man-made religion is worthless, it's dangerous, and here's the heart of the text. Man-made religion cannot cleanse the heart. Look at verses 15 to 20. Peter said, explain the parable to us. Are you still so dull, Jesus asked them. Don't you see that whatever enters the mouth mouth goes into the stomach and then out of the body? But the things that come out of the mouth come from the heart, and these things make a man unclean. For out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false testimony, slander. These are what make a man unclean. But eating with unwashed hands does not make him unclean. Here we are with Peter again, speaking for the twelve. And he's not sure that he grasped this whole thing yet. So he comes and says, Lord, explain this to us. And once again, Jesus has to gently rebuke them. Like, hey, you still aren't getting it? What really defiles a person, what makes him unclean, because remember that's how this whole story started, what makes him unacceptable in terms of the worship of the one true God is not not what comes from without and only can contaminate the skin, but rather what comes from within. Evil thoughts, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, and so on. Here's what Jesus is saying. This is powerful. No amount of outward scrubbing can clean that, can it? You could scrub until the cows come home, and it's not going to fix the evil human heart. That's what Jesus is dealing with. I remember when God was first convicting me and bringing me to Himself that I might know Him as Lord and Savior through Jesus. I remember one night knowing God showed me that inside of me was wickedness. And I remember I couldn't wait to give, go home, and it sounds crazy, to take a shower. Isn't that crazy? I felt so dirty inside that I could and you know what? No matter how much I washed myself, I didn't feel any better. No, because my problem wasn't out here. My problem was in here. The heart of the matter is the matter of the heart. And that's the ultimate reason. Listen, this is the punchline of the passage. The ultimate reason man-made religion is worthless and dangerous. Because all of its show of appearance, all of its show of spirituality, of, of all of its religious activity, it cannot deal with man's real need and problem. And that is his wicked heart. Only true God-given religion can cleanse the wicked hearts of men. Now, maybe you can see why Jesus was so firm with the Pharisees and the teachers of the law that came all the way just to criticize his disciples and basically him for not keeping the tradition of the elders. Because they were not only refusing to come to him for a new heart, a new record and a new life so that they might be acceptable to God. But even worse than that, they were preventing others from finding salvation from sin that only Jesus offers. How do you know your religion is worthless? Well, you accept human traditions and regulations on par with the Holy Word of God found in the Old and New Testaments. You know you're worshiping God in vain when His praises come smoothly out of your mouth all the while while your heart is very, very far from Him. You know your religion is completely useless when you look to outward ceremonies to cleanse and subdue the evil human heart and to make you acceptable to the living God. Listen, I'm going to close with this. That's what we learn from our Lord and Savior Jesus in this section of Matthew's gospel. Listen, this is powerful, true, God honoring, biblical religion that is acceptable to God and effective unto salvation. Views nothing on par with holy Scripture. The Reformers put it this way: "Sola Scriptura." Listen, in the New Testament, um, in uh, the Book of Acts, it says the Bereans were more noble than the Thessalonians, and I'll tell you what: the Thessalonians make us look anemic. But the Bereans were more noble. Why? Because they searched the Scriptures daily to make sure even what the Apostle Paul was saying was true. Because guess what? If an Apostle doesn't say what the Word says, he's wrong. Remember, Peter had a, Paul had to rebuke Peter because Peter wasn't keeping him with the Word. Genuine worship of the living God is present when heart and lips are equally devoted to God. And here's the issue. I'm gonna, I'm, I am going to close with this. Every single one of us here have a heart problem. It doesn't matter how well you do or don't behave in church, for instance, we're all on the same plane. And what Jesus is sharing, he's sharing through the whole, we see through the whole gospel of Matthew, Jesus is on his way somewhere. He's on his way to the hill of Golgotha. And he's on his way there to take care of the heart problem that you and I have. Because it's only through the death, the resurrection, and the ascension of Jesus Christ through faith in him that our hearts can be cleansed. Number one, for justification, that we might be acceptable to God. And number two, in sanctification, so day in and day out we can put to death the sins of adultery and sexual immorality. Because guess what? If, if we had a camera in any one of our minds right now and hearts and it showed against us, well, we would all be thoroughly ashamed of ourselves. Can I get an amen? amen. And only Jesus can cure the heart. And that's why man-made religion is not just worthless. It's downright dangerous if you follow it. Amen? Amen. Excuse me and we'll pray. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the truth. We thank you for delivering us, many of us, from man-made religion. We ask your forgiveness for when, we, uh, when it creeps back in and we begin to follow rules of men rather than the word of God. And most of all, Jesus, we recognize together in this room that you're the only one who can cure the wickedness within. Give us a new record before the Father, a new heart and a new life. Help us to continue to preach that good news, Lord, and also to believe it and live it. We pray it in your name, Jesus. Amen. This Sunday sermon was preached by the Reverend Dr. Santo Garofolo. New City's Sunday sermon is recorded live on location at New City Fellowship of Atlantic City. If you're in the Atlantic City area, stop by. Our address is 215 North Sovereign Avenue, Atlantic City, New Jersey. Visit us online at newcityac.org. That's www.newcityac.org. Oh God is written and performed by the Reverend Dr. Santo Garofolo. Join us next week for a brand new. New Cities, Sunday Sermon.